Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Well, basketball season has ended, folks. Unfortunately, didn't end exactly the way that we all hoped, but fantastic season nonetheless for Chris Beard and the Red Raider basketball team. I want to say congratulations to them. Just so proud of the way they've represented Texas Tech University, proud of the way they fought and scrapped, dug in there, really bought into the system and to the things that Chris Beard has brought to them, and just so proud to call myself a Red Raider alongside those guys. So I hope they go on to bigger, better, fantastic things in their lives, or the ones that are staying, I hope they dig right back in and get to work and thinking about what they can do next season. I'm just really impressed with what they did. But now I feel like the collective attention of Texas Tech as the morning begins to subside, the attention is starting to turn towards Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. So that's a good thing for sure, but got some catching up to do, folks. If you're just now starting to think about Texas Tech baseball, the team's 22-9 and on the season. They're third in the Big 12 Conference with a 5-4 and record. Improved to 22-9 and on Tuesday night as they went to Midland, to the Midland Rockhound Stadium, and played the New Mexico State Aggies, winning 10-5. to It was a really good night for the Red Raiders. They had a disappointing and frustrating home loss against Kansas, which lost them the sweep on that series on Sunday, and then turned back around and went to play New Mexico State in Midland and really put on a pretty solid clinic out there. As often happens with New Mexico teams, New Mexico State is leading the nation in a lot of offensive categories right now. The last time the Red Raiders played them in Lubbock, New Mexico State came in averaging 18 runs a game. Now they've dropped that down to a paltry 11 run per game average. And the Red Raiders once again held them down to a 10 to 5 score. So some pretty solid performances in that game for Texas Tech. Mason Montgomery got the start. He went five full innings pitched, allowed two hits, two runs. They were both earned. Three walks and fan three batters. That's his sixth start of the season. He's 3-0 and across those, and that matched his career long. So Coach Tadlock talked about Mason in his press conference this week, and what he really said there was that they like what Mason had been doing, but they're looking ahead seeing two-game midweeks coming up after next week when the Red Raiders go to play Duke in North Carolina in just a one game. Then you'll have some two-game midweeks coming, and so they're wanting to have Bonin and Montgomery available to get into those and they want to get them some starts. And, you know, you have to think about it in the baseball perspective, certainly from 10 Tadlock's perspective, you're thinking about the postseason. I mean, you're thinking about getting guys as experienced as they can possibly be as you prepare to head into regional play, which is, you know, a four team tournament play and then into super regionals and a series that's really important. And then to an eight team tournament format, double elimination in the college world series. So, they want to get Mason Montgomery and Bryce Bonin, you know, four or five more starts before they start getting into to late May. And so they have to figure out where to put those guys to get them that experience because coming down the stretch, that could really mean a lot. And, you know, especially with guys like Montgomery, a freshman, that's really important to get some innings under his belt. So Montgomery, a good start for him, had some good relief efforts there. 
in Midland as well. Kurt Wilson came out through the ball really well, still throwing gas, did a great job. Ryan Sublette came in as well and had not lost a beat. You know, Ryan Sublette has been really impressive. Last year, a low 90s guy, you know, showed some pretty good pitchability as any Red Raider pitcher generally does, but has come out this season and is just really, really throwing the cheddar. I mean, he has gotten himself up, bumping into the 97, 98 range, really showing some good movement. I mean, he's really showing out some things for the Red Raiders. That's a nice weapon to have out there coming out and and doing some big stuff. On the night offensively, there was a lot of fun going out there in Midland. Gabe Holt went two for four, had a walk, an RBI, two runs scored, stole a bag, and he hit a triple. That's his first triple of the season. It was a weird play. There was no television for this game. So judging from Jamie Lent's call, he got really excited and called a home run for Gabe Holt but then talked about the ball bouncing off of the top of a fence and coming back into play. I looked at some pictures, and I did call a game in this park earlier in the year for Friendship High School, and there is a baseball fence out there with a smaller fence on top of that, and I'm thinking maybe the ball hit that small fence and bounced back in. There was no replay on the game. It was ultimately ruled a triple. Sounded a little bit confusing out there with what was going on, but nonetheless, good game for Gabe Holt. Really strong game at the plate for him. Cole Stillwell, another great game at the DH role. He went three for five with three RBI and a run scored. So he's got a nine-game hitting streak going on. That's his second straight three-hit game, and that's his third of his career. You know, the coaches had been really high on Stillwell. He was somebody I was really high on from the catching standpoint, but he's come in offensively and earned himself that DH role. He's hitting out of the two-hole right now. Coach Tadlock talked about Stillwell in his press availability, and this is what he had to say about him. I mean, really, Stillwell's kind of laid claim on that deal. He's really had good at-bats. I would say the biggest thing is when he steps in the box, he's putting some fear in some people. I mean, he'll turn the fastball around as good as anybody, and uh, he's he's hitting the off-speed stuff when they hang it. And uh, those other guys, you know, right now need to be ready. Uh, there's only one DH. I mean, unfortunately, and the ability to play defense keeps you on the field, and uh, those other guys are doing a good job of doing that. And it's important we can we can get something out of everybody though when we do use them, and that that's what's cool is all those guys are still working. So there's Coach Tim Tadlock talking about Stillwell. That's high high praise from the head man there for Stillwell, the freshman. That's good stuff to see, and you know Stillwell, not a huge bodied guy. Definitely still needs to put some weight on and get some of that strength and conditioning done. When you think about his defensive play and what he'll be able to do in the future for you behind the dish, but really a great job by him getting out there and putting a lick on the ball, and that's a lot of fun to watch. And excited for him. Also, just excited to see the lineup kind of start to settle in. That DH role had been up for grabs and hadn't seen anybody grab a hold of it. So glad they gave Stillwell the opportunity and he took a hold. Max Marshock, another good day for him, one for three, a walk, an RBI, two runs scored. He scored a home run, and finally, Max Marshock got his inside-the-park home run, something Coach Tadlock had been dying to do, sending him home. This one was pretty easy. The ball careened hard off the wall and really sent the fielder after it, almost 100 feet having to run for it. So Max really didn't even need to slide when he got home with the speed he brought to the pace pass. It was Really something to listen to, exciting, I'm sure, and you know, fun thing to talk about. Lots of great performances overall on the night. Brian Klein had a hit, and Dylan Noisy again. Braxton Fulford went one for one with three walks. He had an RBI, two runs scored. So 
Braxton Fulford's reached base in 11 consecutive plate appearances since that Saturday game versus Kansas. That's a school record, by the way, surpassing a Josh Young record of 10. And then speaking of Josh Young, he went one for four with a home run, a walk, three ribbies, and a run scored. So that's back-to-back homers for Josh Young. He's homered on Sunday against Kansas and then now again on Tuesday. That's his fourth of the season, and he's had his 10th multi-RBI game. He has 30 RBI on the year. And then that was also Josh Young's 14th walk during Big 12 play. He leads the conference in walks. So, you know, we've talked about the slow start for Josh Young. He's still hitting 330 or so before, and then now he's kind of picked things up a little bit. In the press availability, Cameron Warren was asked about that, as was Josh Young, and everybody kind of is seeing now he's about to come on. And I don't think it was ever a matter of Josh Young not seeing the ball well, but if you think about it, when you become the dude, everybody plays you different. Josh Young talked about how the demeanor of the defense changes when he steps in the box, and he can see that. Everybody has the same tracking software and the things that that scout players, so they all know exactly what his tendencies are. They're playing him well. They're putting exact shifts on on him and playing him deeper. That He lines out a lot more often than he did. Of course, he's getting more walks and getting put on more, but I think now you're starting to see him adjust to that some and put barrels on balls the way he wants to, so... I think you'll see Josh Young continue to push back forward a little bit here, but hit with a little bit more power, which is what I think we expected from him this season. You're going to continue seeing him getting played tough and really be a difference maker when it comes to how defenses are approaching the Red Raiders. But Josh Young's a good player, and he's going to get out there, and he's going to continue to battle and work and work through the frustration no matter what. So the Red Raiders defeat the New Mexico State Aggies 10-5. to They had a late bus ride home and rolled back into Lubbock about 2.30 in the morning, and they'll put a little bit of work in and then hop on a plane, and they're going to Morgantown, West Virginia this weekend. They'll be facing the Mountaineers on Friday at 5.30 Central, Saturday at 3, and then on Sunday at noon. All of those are supposed to be on Mountaineer.tv. I don't know much about Mountaineer.tv. I'm going to be surprised if there's not a charge of some kind to watch for the weekend. Of course, all games will be broadcast on the Texas Tech Sports Network. Double T973, double T973.com and their mobile app. And you'll have Jeff Haxton now on the call and Jamie Lint doing color commentary for him. Always enjoy hearing Jamie and Gus when they're together early in the season with basketball season coming to a close in the final game of the season. Red Raiders in that national championship game. Now you'll have Jeff Haxton back putting the dynamic duo of he and Jamie Lent back together. So let's talk a little bit about the Mountaineers and what the Red Raiders can expect from those guys and then we'll wrap this thing up. So overall, the big name that you're going to hear from West Virginia will be their Friday night starter. He is undoubtedly the ace of their rotation. It's Alec Manoa. He's got a 244 ERA and 51 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's a big guy. He does a lot for them. He's 4-2 and two in his eight appearances. He started all those games. He's got a 244 ERA, as I said, but his whip is a .96. He's uh, he's definitely a guy that throws it hard. Batting average against on him is a 191. He's only allowed one home run on the season and seven doubles in that time. So several of the guys talked about him. Cameron Warren remembered how hard he threw. Uh, I mean, he's just good. Coach Tadlock really complimented Manoa as well, talking about last season, anything that the Red Raiders did against him, they would have definitely earned it. For a little bit of comparison, the last game that Manoa was out, he – fanned 11 batters in eight innings pitched. He's the national pitcher of the week this week. 
So as I said, eight innings pitched, allowed three hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts in 102 pitches. Just really, really a strong outing for him against an Oklahoma State team that is certainly not untalented by any means. West Virginia on the season, they didn't challenge themselves a whole lot early in the season. Kennesaw State, Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Canisius, Georgia Southern, winning and losing kind of back and forth. They did play a three-game stand in Corvallis against Oregon State. They lost that series, but they weren't bad games necessarily. They did lose the first one 9-2, to two, but then 4-2 to two on the Saturday game, and they actually ended up winning the Sunday game 2 nothing. So taking one from Oregon State at home and keeping another one pretty close, definitely not a bad showing at all. They'd swept Kent State. This is all early in the season. Split a midweek with Moorhead State. Split a series with William and Mary. One of those a doubleheader, only winning one of the doubleheader. But they can score runs. That's definitely evident, especially in their midweeks. They will hop out and, and drop a 12 or 14 spot on folks fairly regularly. Now, the not surprised because Baylor's an excellent team, but they were swept by Baylor in Waco. They lost 6-5, 12 to nothing in the Saturday game, and then 10 to 4 in the getaway game. Did not show out well in Waco, came back and beat Marshall 15 to 3 in the midweek, and then played Oklahoma, where they took two of three from Oklahoma in Morgantown, got down early, lost two to one in the Friday night game, then came back and dropped 12 on them, winning 12 to four Saturday and 5 1 Sunday in that rubber match. So definitely showing out against Oklahoma, another one of the talented teams in the Big 12. They beat Pitt, and then they came back and they took two of three from Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Again, jumping out with some offense, dropped 11 on Oklahoma State on Friday night, winning 11-1, lost 9-5 to Saturday, and then won the rubber match on the road 4-2. to So this is not a team to be trifled with. They're not trash in the Big 12. Don't let their record say anything about them as far as being 4-5. and on the season, West Virginia is 20 and 12, as I said, 4 and 5 in conference. They're 9 and 1 at home and 11 and 11 away, but they haven't played any neutral site games at all. So they've won two in a row. They just went on the road in the Big 12 and beat a quality opponent. And then now they'll be facing the Red Raiders back at home with some weather looming. So in the 50s, some scattered showers all weekend long. So you never know what will happen at that time, but you'll bet that people will show up and that it's going to be a popular place to be in Morgantown. I'm also seeing on the schedule that Friday night is happy hour and they're playing baseball bingo. If you, anything says big rowdy crowd to me, it's Morgantown, West Virginia, happy hour and baseball on a Friday night. I don't know what else there would be to do. So you would imagine there'd be a lot of people there and they'd be interested in the adult beverages that come along with happy hour. So you'll see Alec Manoa on Friday night, and then on Saturday, you'll see Jackson Wolf most likely. Against Oklahoma State, Wolf went seven innings pitched. He had eight hits, four runs, only one of them earned, though, two walks and seven strikeouts. On the season, Jackson has a 364 ERA, a whip of 140. That's not really very exciting, but he's definitely somebody they keep liking, and they're trotting him out there. He's 2-2 two and two on the season in 42 innings pitched but definitely somebody the Red Raiders could jump on. And then Sunday, you'll most likely see a guy named Cade Stroud. Stroud with 48 and a third innings pitch. He's got a 354 ERA, a 131 whip. He's 4-2 and two on the season, the same as Manoa. He allows a little bit more, but he also fans some batters. The batting average against on him is a 183. It's actually better than Manoa's batting average against. 
Stroud against Oklahoma State went seven and a third innings pitched, four hits, two runs, four walks, ten strikeouts, did have a wild pitch in that one. And then against Oklahoma in that series, he went five innings pitched, three hits, one run, eight walks, though, and then seven strikeouts. He had a couple of wild pitches. So the way the Red Raiders are able to work pitch counts, spoil pitches, and frustrate batters, if they get on their game doing that stuff, Stroud's definitely a guy that they could jump all over, get a lot of free passes from, potentially run him early. I think the earlier you can get into that Mountaineer bullpen, the better off you'll be. Other than Nick Snyder... He's got 30 and two-thirds. He's got a 176 ERA. You jump from there, and there's really almost no one else with an ERA below four. So you can get up into some guys that struggle a little bit more out there that have seen a lot less work, about half of the work of what Snyder has and even a third of the work of what the starting rotation has seen. So definitely an opportunity to, to run some guys off and get into that pin. As I mentioned earlier, the Mountaineers do have the ability to push you offensively. They will drop some double-digit runs on folks, not irregularly. They have uh, several guys that lead them. Tyler Dones and Darius Hill lead in batting average. Dones with a 306, Hill with a 296. Wouldn't let that fool you, though. Dones' OPS is a 909. They're both slugging 504 on the season. Dones also third on the team with 20 walks on the season. Ivan Gonzalez leads them with 27 walks. He's also worn three, so a lot of free passes for him. Dones is the Mountaineers' hits leader, tied with Darius Hill. Both have 37. Dones has 25 runs scored, Hill 26, and Ivan Gonzalez 27. They're close to double the next on the list. Darius Hill is the extra base hit leader. He's got 13 doubles, two triples, and three dingers. Dones, nine doubles, three triples, and three dingers. Hill's leading in RBI with 23 on the season for the most part. So you can see there's definitely some guys there that can jump up and do some work at the plate. Their batting average isn't necessarily showing how effective they are, but when you come in on the road in less than ideal weather conditions, which we know the Red Raiders are not always great in, and you're playing a team like this that appears to be pretty scrappy and have some some solid pieces in place and has pushed some teams in this conference, some quality teams, winning series both at home and on the road. This is a dangerous one for the Red Raiders. They need to get out there and do some work. It's not one that they're going to be able to mess around and think about not taking seriously. But I do feel like this is a team that's hitting its stride in Texas Tech. I know there's been some grumbling out there. If you listen to the last episode, I got on my soapbox about some of that grumbling. I need to change the throw and Ched with Raider Red segment from a question segment just to my weekly rant segment. I'm not mad about anything this week, so I won't have it. But maybe in the future, somebody will tick me off and I'll have something else to give you a piece of my mind about. But Red Raiders have... Begun to hit their stride, in my opinion. Coach Tadlock talked about that in his press conference, but you know, shortstop had been a concern. Drew Baker's gotten himself healthy. He's playing really well. He's your Big 12 Player of the Week this week. I think he had multi-hit games all week long for the Red Raiders. Has really been strong out there since he's gotten back healthy. You've had Cole Stillwell earn his place at DH, and that's been a positive for the Red Raiders as well. And then You've also seen Max Marshock earning his way in in left field. And, I mean, what it takes is guys playing well defensively and swinging the bat well, and they'll figure out a place for you to stand out there. And Marshock has begun to put that together to figure some things out. He's been putting some good at-bats together. He's had some bunt singles, which you really can just force a defense to play differently when you bring that kind of speed. 
out there. It's it's not all speed. Marshawk does bring a lot of that. Gabe Holt also brings a ton of speed, but there's more to it than that when it comes to stealing bases and pressing pitchers. And it's been interesting to see that because Gabe Holt and Dylan Noisy, both very effective stealing bases. Marshawk still some work and growth to ha- to find there in the, the strategy of stealing and the things that go into that as far as pitcher tendencies and and their approach and things of that nature. So it's nice to have those guys on the team that are like Holt and Noisy that are very successful stealing and that do seem to have some of that stuff figured out really well and for Marshawk to learn from them because when he can combine that knowledge and understanding with the speed he's got, he'll be fantastic just like those two are with the knowledge and speed they have. So as I mentioned, Coach Tadlock did talk a little bit about this team and where they're at and what they've put together. Here's what he had to say about it. The one thing we really like about our group right now is, is I think we know we're not a finished product and guys are still working and uh, they're, they're making an attempt to bring their best each day and uh, we're probably learning how to do that still and uh, that's a good thing I would say. How much better is the team now than they were at the beginning of the year with 31 games under the belt? Well, I think we're quite a bit better. I mean, I, I think we're obviously pitchers. You know, they got a little bit uh, more stamina, uh, should have better feel. Um, you know, we're separating balls and strikes pretty good. We're running the bases pretty good. Um, we got a shortstop healthy now. I mean, we're two weeks ago, we were playing a little bit of everybody out there. Um, catching at a high level. Uh, you know, how much better, I guess only time will tell that. I'm not really one into predictions. Time will tell that as far as that goes. What's important is we get better between now and uh, you know now and next week or now and Friday. Well, there it is, and that's where the mindset has to change, folks. When we think about baseball and we think about this team, it's so easy to get frustrated when you see an error, you see a, a kid that's still figuring some things out. You know, there's guys on this team that people are grumbling about that were playing high school baseball this time last year. There's guys on this team that going to prom last year this time and it's important to remember that there's a lot to learn there's a big learning curve going from any high school baseball program to an elite division one college program and all the demands that go along with that so they're putting it together they're starting to come together as a team some of your stars are starting to hit their stride which is important as well there's nothing lost here it's a 22 and 9 team ranked Still in the top 10 to 15 in the country. Their RPI is taking a little bit of a hit, but that'll change dramatically as they start hitting more road series. And then as everyone that they've played starts to get into the meat of their seasons as well. You know, Coach Tadlock was asked about playing in Amarillo at the new Sod Poodle Stadium. And he was very aware of playing a neutral site game and how that can affect the RPI. And it's important to schedule that the right way. And you don't want to have too many of those neutral site games because it doesn't help you as much as you want it to. So that's something that he does pay attention to. I know they work really hard on that schedule and think about those things, but there's a lot of baseball left to be played. Baseball is such a long season sport. It's so important to get out of the mindset of some of the other sports. You know, you can't think about baseball like a football season or even a basketball season, which is a longer season sport. It's so important to remember that baseball, you have multiple opportunities to do some things and you have generally plenty of time to get out there and figure some things out and then jump into your conference 
And I've said it before, I'll say it again, this is a team that could be second or third in the Big 12 and still get a top eight national seed. Now, you don't want to lose a whole bunch of Big 12 games. I'm certainly not trying to make an excuse for that, but it's a team that, you know, the Big 12 is not the goal. Omaha, again, is the goal, winning more games up there, being competitive on the biggest stage in college baseball. That's going to be the goal for them. What they're focusing on is the game in front of them, and I appreciate that about them. I think that's important. That's the culture that this team has built is playing the next pitch, the next at bat, the next game, and not looking beyond it, and I think that's important as well. Coach Tadlock in that same press conference was asked about the Big 12 standings. Baylor had a game canceled for weather, and so now the Big 12 standings will go from straight head-to-head records to winning percentages because there'll be a game difference. And Coach Tadlock's immediate answer was, you're way ahead of me on that. You know, I'm not even paying attention to any of that stuff right now. I'm, we're thinking about Friday versus West Virginia. And I think that's the right mentality to take. And I think as fans, it's important for us to take that mentality to some extent. You know, it's fun to keep an eye on the big picture and to think about where you can go and what you can do. But it's also important to remember that there's a lot of time left. There's a lot of games left. It's a 56-game season. You've barely played 30 at this point. You know, there's there's a lot left to do for these Red Raiders, and they're starting to hit their stride. So don't write them off. You know, don't don't lose your lunch on them yet. There's plenty of time left to go looking forward to what this season brings and just having plenty of more baseball. It's only April 10th as I sit here in a windy brownout day in Lubbock, Texas. That means that we've got, you know, a month and a half before the selection show. There's lots of baseball left to watch and enjoy. There are uh, a lot of positives in this team, a lot of good things going on, a lot of guys that are stepping forward. I'll say one thing about stats before we go. Seven of your starting nine right now are batting over 300. One who's not is batting at 290. There's just a lot of really positive stuff happening. You got two guys with a slugging percentage in the 650 range. You got guys with tons of walks, tons of stolen bases, just really some positive things. Dylan Noisy, one final one to mention there. He's third in the country in triples. It's been a big season for the Red Raiders. Bigger than maybe you realize because you're comparing in your mind to expectations and maybe the other things we've seen before. Team may not hit for as much power as they have in the past, but they bring more speed to the base paths and really uh, make some things difficult for other teams out there. And also definitely a lot of pitching, throwing some power numbers out there as well. Well, enjoy some baseball this weekend. Find a way to listen to West Virginia versus Texas Tech and try to get away from normal life and listen to just your baseball life. I'll be back in your feed on Monday recapping this West Virginia series. The Red Raiders will be going to North Carolina next Tuesday to play Duke in the Durham Bulls Athletic Park. That'll be on ACC Network Extra. I'll preview that one for you and recap this West Virginia series. And then they'll dive into the meat of the Big 12 schedule, meeting up with Baylor in a Thursday, Friday, Saturday of Easter weekend. Well, until then, folks, if I don't see you around town or around the internet and the Twitterverse, I hope everything's great for you. I hope you're recovering from the basketball season and looking ahead to what's going to be a great baseball season for the Red Raiders here in the second half. So if I don't see you before then, we'll see you at the ballpark. And until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. 
Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, Reckham Tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire. Every man is a liar. There's just one kind of man who tells the truth. That's a dead man or a gringo like me.